I'm going to be really honest. I'm not quite sure what's going to come out of my mouth. Hi, and welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast, where we explore how we can better understand our thoughts, feelings and actions, change our results and feel less alone as we navigate this crazy little thing called life. My name is Emily Chadbourne, and I recorded this episode live in my free Facebook group, Unashamedly Human with Emily Chadbourne. If you're not a member yet, head to the show notes to join this global community, and you'll be able to join me live next week as I record the next episode of Unashamedly Human, the podcast. Make sure you follow me on Instagram too, Unashamedly Emily, and enjoy this episode. Dear M, I have a really secure job and a mortgage on a small apartment. I feel like I am where I should be at the age of 32, but I feel really unfulfilled. My job is fine, but I'm not passionate about it. I work to save and pay my mortgage, but for what? I'm recently single and I just want to explore the world. My head, in brackets, and my parents say I shouldn't leave my job, but I'm feeling bored and trapped. Do you have any advice? Oh, I got some advice. <laughs> Actually, I don't have advice. I'm just going to talk about some of the things that I have learned about life because I can't decide what is best for you. Your parents can't decide what is best for you. The only person in the entire world who can truly know is you. And you might be thinking, but I don't know Em, which is why I've written in. I'm confused, which is why I'm asking for advice. And I'm just going to start with this. You actually have all of the answers that you're seeking within you. Even in the process of writing this question, you've probably shown yourself some evidence that your soul is asking for an adventure, that there is something inside of you that is saying there has got to be something more than working from Monday to Friday in a job that doesn't excite me to come home and pay off what is essentially a whacking big fucking loan to a bank so that I can live in a small apartment. And your brain, your logic, the paradigm under which we all exist here in the West in the capitalist society is saying, no, 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 no. This should make you happy. This is how you live life. This is how it's meant to be. If you are doing these things, then you are successful, then you are worthy, then you have done the right thing in life. And so you should be happy. But there is a discord there. There's a gap between what society is telling you should make you happy and what is actually making you happy. So I would listen to that voice. Don't listen to mine. <laughs> don't listen to your parents. Certainly don't listen to the bank. But I would listen to your voice and I would sit with it through meditation and various journaling practices connect with it on a really regular basis. While you're connecting to it, you are also going to have all of those other conversations with yourself, which will be centered around, is this a good idea? Other people are, you know, buying their second investment property and should I be getting married? And what if I want to have children? And all of the other conversations that we tend to have with ourselves, especially in our 30s. There will be lots of voices of fear that tell you to stay the same and to keep doing the same thing. And it's unsafe to travel the world at the moment. Or why would you walk out in a really secure job? Or what will you do if you don't have an apartment? You can't take a step back out of the corporate machine. Those voices are 
there and we don't ignore them. We acknowledge them. We question them. And it is up to us through our internal intuitive perception and wisdom to exercise discernment, to understand which of the narratives is actually going to lead us to a place of fulfillment and peace and joy. I teach this model in the hub. It's called the Queendom model. And it's a model I came up with in Bali, actually, when I was running a retreat. And what I was seeing in the women who were on that retreat with me was that a lot of people were seeking advice from people who were not achieving the results that they wanted to achieve. And I was also seeing that a lot of people were making decisions based on what they thought would make other people happy or make other people feel safe. In a discussion that we were having, I started talking about like imagining life to be like a pyramid and that's your queendom. And you are at the top of that pyramid. Now, a lot of people try and rule their queendom from the bottom of the pyramid. They think that their opinion is less important than the people around them, or they believe that other people's opinion must be right, and they question their own all the time. They can't rely on themselves or trust themselves or even believe themselves, so they look to other people. Even when those other people don't necessarily have the same dreams, desires, and goals as them, or they're not getting the results that they want. And in the Queendom model, at the very top, we have something called our trusted advisors. And the thing about the Queendom model is where people sit in that model, whether they're at the very base of your pyramid or at the very top of your pyramid, that doesn't mean that they are more or less important in your life. It doesn't mean that you love them more or less, depending on where they sit in that pyramid. The only thing that we're looking for is... If you are at the top of the pyramid, if I'm listening to you and taking your advice, are you getting the results that I want in this particular area of my life? Because it's always contextual. So if you are, for example, taking financial advice from somebody who's broke and who's living week to week and who's not amassing wealth, then you will continue to stay broke yourself. You don't take dating advice from someone who's been married for 40 years and hasn't gone on a date since 1984. You don't take business advice from someone who's worked in the corporate world nine to five, Monday to Friday for their entire life and has never run their own business, never even had an ABN because they're not getting the results that you want in your life. You don't even take business advice from somebody who's not making the money that you want to be making. My business mentors are seven figure coaches now. They weren't, they used to be six-figure coaches when I wasn't making six figures, but now I'm making six figures, so now my coaches are seven-figure coaches. The moment that you begin looking at your trusted advisors and seeing who you spend the majority of your time with and the advice that you take from those people, and that's not to say that we are going to turn our back on people or we're going to stop hanging out with people, but like, you don't have to take on the advice that people are giving you. And so in this particular context, what I would ask you to do is sit with your own intuition and your own innate wisdom and connect to that and start questioning the advice that you are taking from people who may very well not actually be happy. Now, I don't know your parents. I don't even really know you. So this is all, you know, based on one email. But if your parents are living the life that you want to live, that is going to make you happy, then rock on. But if they're not, then... You don't have to take their advice. You don't have to be rude about it, but you just don't have to implement it. You don't have to take it, you don't have to pick it up and take it on as your own. 
And a lot of the time, especially in this particular generation shift where we are going from, you know, I'm Gen X, I'm a Xennial actually, you're a millennial. There's been such a huge shift in society across the last two or three generations. And I'm sure every generation has said this, but there is a massive gap between what was possible for our parents and grandparents and what is possible for us now. And our parents and grandparents are still very much in that kind of like baby boomer mentality, which is that you work really hard in one job. You don't have multiple streams of income. You have one job. You save diligently and you pay off your mortgage and you pay into your superannuation or your pension. And then you retire. And if you're lucky, you get a good 10 years at the end of your life. That was the the construct under which they were brought up to believe that, that that's what life should be like. Now, then you've got the Gen X and the Xennials and to an extent the Millennials who were like, hang on a minute, here's the internet. All of a sudden, this whole e-commerce world opened up and travel opened up and everything was much more accessible. And so what we think is possible for us is very different to what our parents thought was possible for them. But because of the way we work as human beings, most of us have still adopted our parents' thoughts, our parents' belief systems. We look to our parents to show us the way, even in our 20s, 30s, 40s, and some of us even beyond. And so we think that what our parents did should make us happy. And and so many of us today are, are realizing that it's not. A mortgage doesn't make you happy. Staying in the same job that you're not passionate about isn't making you happy. And this brings me on to the next point that I want to make, which is the value of money only exists in relation to how happy it can make you. You can have a million dollars and be lonely and sit in this massive mansion with no laughter ringing through the walls, with no parties, with no connection. You can fly business class and have no one greet you at the gate on the other side. No one cares that you land. That million dollars doesn't make you happy. On the flip of that, you can have $50,000 and you can fly an economy and maybe go the long way around and have to sit on floors of airports for hours on end as you're in transit. But if you've got a group of people waiting at the arrivals gate to throw their arms around you and tell you how much they love you, God, I'd rather have $50,000 than a million. We value money in, in such a materialistic way here in the West. And it's the cause of so many people's unhappiness because we are told and sold this dream that if you have this car, if you have this house, if you have this plane, if you have this holiday, if you look this way, if you can afford to have this treatment on your skin, then you can be happy. But if that was the case, why would so many movie stars and pop stars turn to alcohol and drugs and suicide as a way out? It's just simply not true. It's just a fallacy. And it seems to me like you are beginning to come out of this paradigm right now where you believed your parents and you believed the corporate machine and you believed the paradigm of the capitalist society, which is you work your ass off in order to create financial security because it's that financial security which is going to make you happy. You are working to make somebody else really rich, even paying off your mortgage to make the bank richer. 
And it's, it seems to me like you're beginning to wake up to this idea of like, well, I'm doing this stuff, but it's actually not fulfilling me and it's not making me happy. I don't feel the level of joy that I think I could be feeling. Would you like daily text messages of support, positivity and love sent personally from me straight to your phone? Then sign up for Wake Up With Em. It's the affirmation service you didn't know you needed. The first month is free if you follow the link in the show notes. Good morning. You're awesome. I was listening to James Smith's I'm Not Your Life Coach book recently. And in it, he was talking about money and how like, you know, money is just a construct. It's not real. Money doesn't grow from the ground. It's nothing that we can harvest. It's, it's, so, it's such a human construct. And of the trillions and trillions of dollars that there are circulating around the globe at the moment, it's something like only 10% of it, and I'm making up that figure, but I know it's roughly around that, that end of the scale, only 10% of it actually exists in note and gold, which means that the majority of the money that we trade with only exists in a computer system. It's not tangible. It's not, it's not real. <laughs> it's just made up. And yet we pin so much of our happiness onto the construct of money. Most of us, most of us who are watching this either on Facebook or Instagram right now or listening to this in a podcast version have absolutely everything that we need in order to survive. We have shelter, we have food, we have clean running water and outside of those things, we actually don't need anything to physically survive. And yet none of us are satisfied with what we have. We all feel like we should be having more. We all feel like we need to generate more income. But for what? What are you going to do with that income? It's just really interesting. I've, I've become quite fascinated by, as, as my income has increased in business over the years, I've become really fascinated by this concept of like, shit, man, none of this makes you actually happy. It doesn't. Happiness does not come from having a flat or earning a certain amount of money. Happiness comes from the way that you interact with other people and other energies and other sentient beings on the planet. Happiness comes with being able to sit with yourself and be content with who you are growing into. Happiness comes when you have the freedom to walk to the beach and put your feet in the sand and watch the sun. Happiness comes when you are feeling like you are in service of somebody else, when you are doing something of importance, when you are doing something that lights you up and makes you feel creative. Happiness comes when you are in a symbiotic relationship with the world around you, when you can sit at the top of the mountain and just know that you are part of something bigger. And it's that level of connection and belonging where we find a state of peace, contentment and happiness. It's more like joy. You know, happiness is, or that donut made me happy. Or that dress I bought made me happy. Happiness is fleeting. Joy is more consistent. It's this understanding that even on a bad day, even when it's not going your way, even when shit rains down, because it does, life punches you in the fanny all the time, right? But even in those times, can I still have this baseline of feeling connected and and like I'm in a sense of belonging with the world around me and therefore have this feeling of, of joy, even on a bad day. 
And I think that's what we want to be striving for as human beings. Really easy to say. Can I just say that? That that whole thing was really easy for me to say from the financial position that I am currently in. Believe me, I spent years of my life not knowing where my next rent instalment was coming from, living paycheck to paycheck, never feeling like I had enough money. So I understand. I do know what it's like not to have any sort of financial security. And it doesn't feel good. Because as much as I can sit here and be like, money's just a construct, it's not even real. It is also very important for our survival as human beings in the particular society that we've created for ourselves. You can't exist without, you can't live without money. You can't shelter yourself without money. You can't feed yourself without money. I understand the importance and the relevance of money. I'm not telling you to go and quit your jobs, pack a backpack, shave your head, call yourself Barbara and go and live in an ashram in India. That's not what I'm suggesting at all. I'm just presenting a case of if we put less emphasis on money making us happy, where else would we be free to find joy? So to loop back to the question, I would ask you to ask yourself, what is the price of happiness? And what is making you happy? Now, again, I don't know you and I've had an email exchange with you, so I don't have any of the context around this. But I recently coached one of my clients in the hub around this very thing. She was stuck in a corporate machine. She was really unhappy. She felt like she didn't have a way out. You know, she didn't want to sell her house. She didn't want to jump from one corporate job to another corporate job. And that was her very limited perception of what was available for her. And in a coaching call that we had, we literally, the only thing that I did was ask her some questions about what truly, truly made her happy. And not once did she say, owning a house makes me happy. Not once did she say, going to work to make lots of money for somebody else makes me happy. And the moment that she realized that what she was holding on to in terms of the, the binary figure that she was earning a year, the mortgage repayments that she was paying on a house that she didn't even live in, <laughs> couldn't even afford to live in the house that she owned. She realized that actually all she needed to do was look more expansively at what her possibilities were. If you wanna go traveling around the world, go fucking traveling around the world. You know, I woke up this morning, my alarm went off at 5 a.m. I wake up to meditate before 6 a.m. And I don't sleep with my phone in my bedroom. But this morning, for whatever reason, I woke up, I walked into my meditation room and I picked up my phone. And I never do this. I, I don't even have my notifications on for my messenger. But for whatever reason, something compelled me to do it. I just popped into my messenger and I checked my messages. And there was a message there from a guy who I haven't seen since. Oh, my God, it must have been like 2006, the last time I saw him in real life. And he'd sent me a message to say that his best mate, who is an ex-boyfriend of mine, had died overnight. And he was 40, 40 years old. I haven't quite worked out what that means yet. But what I do know is that we live under all of these presumptions. We presume that money is going to make us happy. We presume that we're going to even hit retirement. Like, what are you saving for? Now, I'm not saying be irresponsible and, you know, career into your 60s, 70s, 80s without any financial plan behind you. I'm not saying do that. But what are you saving for? An assumption that you are going to make it to retirement. And why would you want to travel the world in your retirement when you've got a dodgy knee and a, a dodgy hip and 
you know, walking uphill makes you out of breath. Why would you want that? Why wouldn't you want to do that in your 30s when you can run up the hill, run down, run up again and have sex with some random backpacker at the top? Why wouldn't you want to do that? What are you waiting for? Now, I don't have any financial advice for you. I am not a financial advisor, believe me. But I do believe that life is really precious and we don't know how many days we've got in front of us. And so it doesn't make sense to me to be saving it all up until the very end because you don't know when the very end is going to be. And what if you are in the middle of saving when the very end comes and you haven't experienced anything that this playground of life has to offer you? Now, this would be such a different story if you really loved your job and you were passionate about what you did, but you're not. (laughs) You don't give a fuck about your work. Go and find the thing that makes you passionate. Go and explore this world. Go and taste random food in random countries and talk to strangers. Go and find out who you are, who you're capable of being. I was lucky enough to have done it in my 20s and I wish I'd done it more in my 30s. Because in a few months, I turn 40. If, like me, you love reading cool stuff, listening to interesting interviews, and hearing funny, quirky stories that feel really relatable, then sign up for my famous Friday emails. They're jam-packed with awesomeness, and if you sign up and you're not into it, you can always unsubscribe. Link in the show notes, and I look forward to being in your inbox on Friday. It's Friday! So I don't really have any advice other than tap into your soul. And one of the best ways to do that, I think, is to imagine that you are in your last day on this planet and not in a morbid way, not in a I want to freak myself out way, but in a really honest way. If it was my last day, what would I be pleased that I had done and what would I be gutted that I hadn't done? And then go and do the things that you are gutted that you haven't done and go and do more of the stuff that you are happy that you've done. And in terms of managing your parents around that, I think that's where the conversation comes from. Like understand that when people are so entrenched in their own paradigm that they can't see that other people's way of thinking about life might be more suitable for them. You know, it's like, well, this is what made your father and I happy. And a lot of people don't even question whether or not they are happy. A lot of people aren't even questioning that because it's too scary for them to do so. If I begin to question the way that I've lived my life for the last 50, 60 years, and then I realize that actually none of this shit has made me happy, like that's a big conversation to have with yourself. So a lot of people are shuffling through life just being like, no, this is fine. This is the track I'm on. I'm too old to change. This is the way that it is. And rock on to them. We don't judge them for it. It's just the way that they're choosing to live this particular incarnation and Wahiguru, love and compassion, all good. But understand that it can be quite confronting sometimes for people to be faced with somebody who is making a very different decision because the world has changed, because circumstances are different for that person, or they are just breaking out of a mold that they don't feel fits them. So the way to, to have that conversation with your parents is to be in a state of love and compassion and to, and to lead with a real sense of certainty. When you are uncertain, people will feel your uncertainty and they too will feel uncertain in your decision. But if you go with Love, compassion, and absolute certainty. You know what? I'm going to make the most of this one precious life. I'm really unhappy with what I'm doing. I know it makes financial sense, but I've realized that the financial sense isn't making me feel happy. And what I want more than anything else on this planet, and what I think you probably want for me, mum and dad, is for me to be happy. I'm really certain in my decision. I've given it real, real thought. This is my 
plan as planned as you can be when you're about to throw clothes in a backpack or go and spend a year sabbatical in India or go and volunteer at an orphanage in Cambodia. But I'm going to go and I'm going to go and do this. I'm going to explore this world. And I know that doesn't make any sense to you, but I need you to trust me on it. And so it's not a discussion. It's not a, what do you guys think? Do you think I should? Would you be mad if? It's a, I'm certain in the decision that I am making and I'm going to go and I'm going to do this thing. Maybe you're going to sell your small apartment. Maybe you're going to rent it out. Who knows? Don't worry about it. You'll always be able to buy another apartment. And when you think more expansively, when you begin to realize that money is just a made up concept, you begin to realize that you can just, it's not yours it's not the banks. It doesn't belong to a country. It doesn't even exist. And so you can play with the concept of money, which means that you are no longer limited by what the amount of money that you can earn. Right now, you've focused yourself into this belief system, which is that you go to work for 40 hours a week, you get paid a certain amount of money, and that's the most money that you can earn in that job at that level. And therefore, you are just like blinkering yourself to all of the other possibilities that there are out there. In a year's time, you can earn enough money to buy five fucking flats if you are willing to do so, if you're willing to take the risks, if you're willing to learn what you need to learn, if you're willing to network with the right people and if you're willing to shift your belief system around money, you can make whatever happen for you. Now, I'm not telling you to sell your flat. I'm telling you to chase your dream because you don't know when life is going to end. And no one wants to lie on their deathbed and go, oh, well, what did you do with your life? Well, got myself a small apartment and a shit job that I hated. Life is so much more than that. And we are so privileged here in the West. So fucking privileged. And there's nothing wrong with privilege as long as you don't waste it. There is someone out there who is not in a position to explore the world and who has no comprehension that that is even a possibility for somebody. Because what they are doing is waking up in the morning and hoping that they survive the day. They're hoping they survive the civil war, the famine, the disease. So go and travel or don't, because I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I would actively encourage you to listen to your soul. So that's where I'm at today. I trust that was useful to someone. I'm just gonna jump into the questions. My time is the most valuable asset I have. Yes, I love that. Yep, 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 would agree. I'll be 40 next year, and this has been on my mind a lot the last few years. Yeah, I had a massive paradigm shift when my mum died. You know, I'd had uncles die, and I'd had grandparents die, and even friends' parents had passed. But when my mum, my mum, me, a bit of me died when my mum died, and when that happened, it was like this huge wake up call because you can know something intellectually we all know we're going to die but when you viscerally experience part of you dying in the way that I did when my mum died I was like wow this isn't it's not it's real what am I doing with my life And it was a massive paradigm shift for me in terms of taking chances and moving my business forward and generating the income, not so that I can say, hey, look at me, I'm a six-figure coach, but so that I can experience this world more fully. You know, because there's no denying that money buys experience and experience is what we crave. All right, lots of people agreeing, lots of people loving that content. Um, Just going to jump over here. The simple things bring richness to our souls. Yes, that's so true. 
Listen to what your soul feels. Yeah, I'm grateful for noticing the small things. Yeah, and this is what gratitude and meditation really deliver us. So it's like being in the now, in the experience of what we currently have, whether that's a good experience or a bad experience, because what meditation has taught me is that there is no good or bad experience. There is just an experience. My perception of that experience, the story that I put onto that experience, my definition of that experience determines whether or not I categorize it as good or bad. But ultimately, an experience is just an experience. It's only when I come at like the tree is just growing like the tree is growing. I decide whether or not that tree is pretty or ugly. I decide whether it's a good tree or a bad tree. Tree doesn't give a fuck. Tree's just growing. (laughs) It's just a tree. So everything that happens in this world, and this is part of what Eckhart Tolle talks about, is this idea of like, everything is just an experience. Michael Singer calls it the surrender experiment. You are just in an experience. How you interact with the experience that is in front of you will determine the quality of your life. Money is an experience that we have created as human beings. Buying a house is an experience that we have created as a human being. Traveling the world is an experience that we've created as a human being. How do you want to interact with the experience in front of you? Because that will determine the quality of your life. Yep, I love that. And we decide whether it's good or bad. Yeah, nothing has meaning other than the meaning that we interpret it or that we put onto it. Nothing has meaning but the meaning that we give it. This cup, it's just a fucking cup. I love this cup. I have decided it's a good cup. If I smash this cup on the floor tomorrow, I'd be really sad because I've attached myself to an idea that this cup is a good cup. It's just a cup. It doesn't mean anything until I come along and decide that it means something. Uh, Thanks, Em. Such a valuable conversation to have. We're surrounded by materialistic world. It's easy to get trapped in the flow. Thank you for your wisdom this morning. You are so welcome. And it's so true. Like, I'm really materialistic, guys. Like, I'm not sitting here being like, I just give away all my worldly goods. Like, I'm, I'm not a buddhist monk i'm not you know i love stuff <laughs> and we we are all products of the materialistic capitalistic cog and we don't get to just be like oh i'm just going to tap out of that now because where would we go right like i'm all in for communes um but you know we we are all products of that machine so it's not that we're going to turn our back on it. It's just that maybe we need to give it less emphasis and we get to prioritize what we are going to experience in this world and how that experience is going to bring us joy. That's it for today's episode. I trust you loved it. And remember, you can join me as I record these episodes live. All of the details are in the show notes. If you love this episode, I'd really appreciate you sharing it on your socials. And please tag me, Unashamedly Emily. You can also share it through Spotify. And if you're listening on iTunes, then please rate and review. It really helps other people find this valuable content. And as always, nothing beats a good bit of word of mouth. So let your mates know all about this podcast. If you're interested in joining my global coaching community, the Unashamedly Human Hub, check out the link in the show notes. See you in the next episode and keep being brave.